the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 2022. Well, I guess when your efforts on are on anything but your actual title or job, no matter how well you are paid, you will weigh in on anything, if not everything. Randy Weingarten is the most prominent spokesperson of unionized teachers in America and heads the American Federation of Teachers. The last time she made big news, it was as a result of lobbying the CDC on school reopenings, slow them down, and keeping teachers at home. If they wanted to stay home, the CDC even put in its official guidance last year the exact language the AFT leaders wrote for them. That's power. Today, Randy Weingarten weighs in on the crisis in Europe as between Russia and Ukraine. I suppose when you see your job as the head of the L.A. Teacher Union affiliate said last year, it's teaching children what insurrection and peaceful protest means, i.e., it's this simple. When Republicans do it, it's insurrection. When Democrats do it. It's peaceful protest. When that is your job, representing teachers' interests, that is to say the interests of social change and evangelization of progressivism, you might as well weigh in on Russia and Ukraine as well. So Randy Weingarten does and writes the following today. Quote, this unprovoked and unjustified Russian invasion is not just an assault on the democratic people of Ukraine, but also a flagrant violation of international law. We condemn it unreservedly because it traduces the fundamental principle that wars of aggression can never be the answer to disputes among nations. Tens of thousands of innocent lives are now in the sights of an oppressive autocratic dictator who seeks to establish Russian hegemony and military domination in Eastern Europe. Putin lives in an alternate reality where he wants to go back to the bloody age of empire. Luckily, the Biden administration understands the grievous threat he poses the world and is levying economic and diplomatic sanctions against the Russian state and its oligarchic rulers. We stand in solidarity with our fellow unionists in the Ukrainian labor movement, with the educators, students, and families in Ukraine, and with their democratic government in this moment of their trial and need. Close quote. Unprovoked and unjustified, traducing fundamental principles, oppressive, autocratic dictator. Oh, and a compliment to Joe Biden doing this job very well. Many many of us have been saying the same thing about what's taking place in our public schools, even as the Randy Weingartens of the world today deny it. I suppose she sleeps peaceably at night because she's convinced herself that the social experimentation and revisionism in our schools is, to use her word, justified, as all social change is, no matter how it comes. To the progressives, I'm more worried about the traducing of America by the work of her union than anything any other country is doing to any other country. I can quote dissidents, too. How about the Czech writer Milan Kundera when he wrote, The first step in liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history. Then have somebody write new books, manufacture a new culture, invent a new history. Before long, the nation will begin to forget what it is and what it was. The world around it will forget even faster, close quote. 
No need for violence, just the power of the teachers' unions and the advocacy and political leisure domain of their leaders. Yes, Ukraine is disappearing rapidly before our eyes, and it is sad to say no more. Sad to see, sad to watch, sad that we can do very little about it now. Oh, we could have done something about it antecedent to Russia rolling in. Now it is too late. In fact, so late that no matter what Russia does, namely go further or fully retreat, Russia will have won. And democracy, as led by the United States, lost. We did not have the moral authority or power because we do not have leaders of moral authority or power to stop Putin from storming into Ukraine, just as we did not have the moral authority or power to stop Assad from using chemical gas on his citizens in Syria when Barack Obama was president and threatened them with a red line not to do so also. You'd think there'd be lessons in how not to be ignored or lessons we were once taught without the help of teachers unions that when America sneezes, the world catches a cold. We learned it in 1975. We had to relearn it last year in our ouster from Afghanistan. And by we, I mean we needed to learn or better know that if we look weak, it is only because we are weak or led by the weak. That's why we got pushed around and our allies got pushed around and nearly a dozen countries fell to the USSR after Saigon. And it's why Putin thought we were a feeble force of no consequence after we turned over Afghanistan with American blood that nobody paid a price for. And because, as the left used to say, the whole world is watching. It is why China is feeling emboldened and showing boldness in regard to Taiwan just now. Of course, in 1975 and the years leading up to that ignominy, the left that caused this owned Congress, but was still mostly the counterculture and out of power. Today, we are the counterculture and out of power, and the left is in charge. When you have moral authority, you don't need to exercise military force. This was the lesson taught by so many, particularly in our times, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. It took five years for America to say enough after Saigon, and I suppose we were so tired of winning and so successful at debasing ourselves that we were willing to stop the winning of American greatness and turn it over to the enfeebled. Name one thing Putin took seriously that Joe Biden said or threatened. Name one thing the United States got right about Russia and Ukraine other than predicting Ukraine would fall to Russia as we sit idly by now that Ukraine is falling to Russia. Name one thing. We convinced ourselves we were led by a fascist, having no understanding of what fascism was. We threw him out of office and we replaced him with a president who is watching as true fascists from Afghanistan to Russia gobble up large populations and portions of the world while we sit back and cry, if not scream, about it. Jean-Francois Ravel put it this way in his book, How Democracies Perish. Clearly, a civilization that feels guilty for everything it is and does will lack the energy and conviction to defend itself or its allies. Once upon a time, we recognized and knew all this. But once upon a time, we believed America was a good country, too, all of which we have changed or, in the parlance of our time, dismantled, starting in our schools and running all the way to the top, as well as honeycombed throughout the main of the Democratic Party. I mean, if one party stands for the greatness of this country, what is it you must challenge? 
And maybe now, too, one can see why there was so much cultural as well as political antipathy toward the notion of American greatness. You can't be an intellectual in America and think you live in a good country or a Democrat who wants to fundamentally transform this place if this place is already good. Never mind. Great. And good work awards should be flowing to the Democrats and the left in America just now, for they not only convinced many fellow Americans that the previous president was a fascist and a Nazi, for Americans are supposed to hate Nazis. And here comes Vladimir Putin rushing in to embrace the word Nazi as a totem to just anything that should receive liberal and left-wing countenance, be it in Europe or here in America. As he said two days ago, quote, we will strive for the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine, as well as bringing to justice those who committed numerous bloody crimes against civilians. Close quote. His understanding of what constitutes a Nazi is as good as Rashida Tlaib's, which is to say zero understanding. The president of Ukraine is a Jew, and the U.S. Commission on Religious Freedom has identified Russia as one of the world's worst violators of religious freedom, which is probably the first sign you might just be in the presence of a Nazi in the first place. But after such indiscriminate use of that toxic word, along with the word tyrant, reserved till about five years ago for the worst of the worst, after exhausting it with vitiation and saturation, what word do we now have to use for Vladimir Putin and have it be taken seriously? The pretext of deploying the phrase of Nazism Vladimir Putin must have learned well from the American left. Good job, that. But yes, what we are witnessing is more sad than angering. As if a head of family is watching Kaiser Sose execute loved ones with no ability to do anything about it, except possibly be killed yourself. That is the state of American moral strength right now. That is the state of America's moral authority right now. That is how our enemies see us right now. And we did it to ourselves. As the former U.S. ambassador to Poland, Daniel Fried, put it just today, quote, anyone pro-Western today is called a Nazi, close quote. Again, good work, blame America first lefties, or as, as I should just put it, American leadership. Just as Lincoln predicted, just as most predicted before the nuclear age, if destruction be our lot, we ourselves must be its author and finisher. We ourselves. I want to hear from no leftist or liberal about the outrage of what Russia is doing. There was only one country that once could stop it. But we removed the organ and still yet demanded the function. We castrated and bid the gildings be fruitful and jump up and down like Yosemite Sam. Well, maybe this country's first action under Joe Biden shouldn't have been the taking down of the 1776 project trying to instill pride and history to Americans to counter the 1619 Project, just as maybe one of the first things this country shouldn't have done under Joe Biden was to deprive us of energy independence. No, sorry, American left. The lacrimal is not your right today. It is ours. It was your cause, after all, not ours. Now, as many of you know, we analyze and sometimes lovingly criticize our own movement here in an effort to improve, fix, and better ourselves. And right now, just now, there seems to be an awfully big circular firing squad in our movement. I don't quite understand it at many levels. It seems to me there are two extremes. One, small, advocating a more militaristic response from the U.S. One, smaller but louder and a little more respected, in some cases errantly, 
on Russia's side. Here's where I am from something David Riaboy tweeted or retweeted, and I think it's right. I would encourage conservatives to ease off each other for a while. It should be possible to admire Ukraine resistance, criticize Biden fecklessness, understand logic of Russians of the Russian position, oppose Western elite corruption and reject a broader U.S. intervention all at the same time. Meantime, understand, please, why Randy Weingarten is playing the role of Yosemite Sam. It's what Mark Bauerline said. The first principle of the left is that everything is political. No limits, no boundaries to the political implications of everything we say and do. And every political event must be addressed by everyone, and they must do so in political expressions and deeds. I'd prefer we just have a strong moral belief in ourselves, which starts with a strong moral belief in our cause and country, and stops at the embrace of causes that weaken ourselves as they commence by weakening the belief in ourselves and the goodness of our cause, if not its greatness. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. It's Open Line Fridays. Anything on your mind? We are coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. Proud to do so and look forward to talking. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studios, 602-508-0960, this open line Friday. Christopher Bedford gets at some of what I was saying over at The Federalist, writing that Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered the invasion of Ukraine Thursday. He'd been fixing on it for a while. Most of the world knew it was coming. By nightfall, their advanced forces had reached the capital city of Kiev, and that situation looks dire. In the bloodshed ensuing, the Internet was awash in hot takes, not insignificant among them that treason is amiss on the right, where our elites detect an insufficient support for the White House and an insufficient hatred of Putin. They're shocked their bugles ring hollow in the ears of so many conservative and Christian Americans. Our lack of enthusiasm infuriates them to their core. They're shaking with indignation. And what's the cause? of the apparent treason? Why aren't we charging? Why aren't we all impressed with a government that's afraid of, oh, racially profiling Chinese spies or the carbon footprint of war in Europe? Why didn't the Russians fear the diversity tweets of our NATO alliance or our maternity flight suits and trans soldiers the Pentagon was bragging about? Why, they wonder, haven't American conservatives flocked to their racist flag singing a racist national anthem? There's no gentle way to say it, but the truth is that a lot of us hate our elites far more than we hate some foreign dictator. It's a tough truth for the tough place our civilization is in, and surely it's a difficult truth for our ruling class to see amid their glare of their self-righteousness. From Western Europe to West L.A., we know we're governed by leaders in business, entertainment, and politics who hold nothing but scorn for this country, its history, its heroes, its people, and their religion. Sorry for us not liking them. They have the money and the power, too. They can freeze truckers' bank accounts and mask children as young as three. They can order Australians into internment camps and host drag queen story hours. They can force vaccinations, close churches, arrest priests and rabbis, bankrupt businesses, prosecute bank bakers, empty prisons, defund police, and sometimes... 
even win votes for doing so. One thing they can't have, however, is the moral authority to rule a civilization they despise. They are the very thugs they claim to stand against. They have no legitimacy. But now is not the time for this squabbling, we are told. Putin's assault is an assault on the West. But how can we take their call seriously when they are the same leaders who ask if we can have schools even named after Western leaders and heroes like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, the same who pine over what primitive tribes our land was stolen from? Putin has no such qualms about his own civilization, and it's one of the core reasons our elites hate him so. This week he said Ukraine is Russia's land, steeped in its religion, culture, and history, so Russia's taking it. Another hard truth is that amid a Western elite that has forgotten who we are, it's easy to look abroad at our enemies and envy the confidence they have in their own civilizations. Why don't our leaders have the same? The very question infuriates them even further. How, they ask, can we not follow when they are the experts? The experts who told us America was never that great or who questioned the American exceptionalism they now call upon to defend the West. Really? Who can follow a political left or establishment GOP calling us to defend Western civilization when just last week our culture's triumphs were submitted as proof of our awful patriarchy when they were apologized for? Can we really take Ukraine's inviolable border seriously while defending our own is called racist? Are we actually expected to ignore Putin's claims of ancestral land rights in Ukraine while we teach our school children to feel ashamed for living on land we instruct them was stolen? Of course not. That would be absurd. But how did this happen, they ask? How did conservatives turn on our rhetoric, on our wars? The only answer so many come to is predictably Trump, but the real culprits are in the mirror. So Republicans and liberals can step up their podiums and their microphones and dismiss Putin as a mad dog and an enemy. After all, part of membership in our elite class is never having to think too deeply. But maybe, just maybe, in a moment of rare reflection, they might wonder why so many patriotic Americans aren't following them. If they listen, a few might learn why so many are more interested in our enemies within than their enemies abroad. Well, that says everything, and everything quite rightly. 602-508-0960 is our number. It is Open Line Fridays. As we head to break, let me put in a good word for our friends at Balance of Nature. I've been taking Balance of Nature fruits and veggies for almost three years now, and I haven't been sick once. I used to get sick every time the weather changed. Not since taken Balance of Nature. It's the only ingredient I know of whose exclusive list of ingredients are just whole produce, whole fruits, and whole vegetables. Advanced cold vacuum processed into vegetarian capsules, which you can swallow, open, and sprinkle the goodness of Balance of Nature into foods and drinks, or chew. Go to balanceofnature.com. That's balanceofnature.com to order their fruits and veggies. And make sure when you do so to use discount code BALANCE.
We should do a train song day someday, right, Bill? We've talked about doing it before. We've just never executed on it. Don't worry. It won't be today. We'll do it someday. I could think of about five great songs about trains right off the top of my head. Such a great American thing, trains, isn't it? So much tied up in there. We are in an unserious country, Steve Hayward writes over at the Powerline blog. We didn't have to wait long to hear the left bring racism into the Ukraine crisis. As noted, Sank Unger, who uh, is the advisor to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, tweeted this. The right wing doesn't love Putin just because he is an authoritarian, tyrannical leader. They live, love him because he's a white authoritarian leader. Race has become more important than even nationality. They've turned on democracy and now even America in favor of a white warlord. That's pretty funny. It's pretty funny to think the right loves Putin. And it's pretty funny to say that we hate America. Pretty funny. I, I, just, I just don't remember our side campaigning on America not being very great. I just don't remember our side declaiming against a campaign slogan titled American Greatness. I just don't recall our side thinking our national anthem was a tribute to racism and colonialism. I just, I just don't remember any of that. And I, and I don't remember our side calling America systemically racist. I don't remember our side talking about every American having implicit bias. No, I don't recall any conservative claiming to hate America. I believe that shoe is on. Well, I believe, as the previous writer I was quoting said, that enemy is in the mirror of St. Uger. Then there's Janelle Forsyth, who tweets, This isn't discussed much, but Putin very much benefits from white privilege. I just can't see a scenario in which a black or brown man running Russia would be allowed to invade Ukraine with no devastating consequences. White supremacy will destroy us. And don't forget the climate change angle. Thankfully, Mr. Longface himself is on the job to remind us. We played the audio, I believe it was yesterday, John Kerry. The Ukraine will have massive emissions consequences. The need to stay on track with climate change should not be elusive. It's too bad we didn't have John Kerry back in World War II. I'm sure he could have stopped Hitler and the Holocaust by pointing out the carbon footprint of the whole thing. What will Mr. Longface say if the Russians switch to sustainable weaponry? And to complete the trifecta, the New York Times is duly worried that Ukrainian refugees are going to flee without what? Masks. The fighting Ukraine East is forcing a mass migration to the West that is crowding mass transit centers and trains and jamming roads, the New York Times writes. It continues video images of the large numbers of Ukrainians on the move show understandably few signs of face coverings, even as the country is just getting past a record high point in its infection rate. Russia invades Ukraine, unvaccinated, hardest hit is the headline the American left would like to see. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And by the way, I'm watching these White House press conferences. Do you, do you notice anything odd about the face coverings and non-coverings? 
of those who approached the podium. Whether it was today, Joe Biden with his new nominee to the Supreme Court, we'll talk about her in a moment and that in a moment, or Kamala Harris. Joe Biden used to walk out masked, take off his mask, and then put it on when he walked away. Now he just comes out with no mask, but everyone around him has a mask. And sometimes it's just the kids that have a mask, and the adults don't have to mask at all. Do you, do you sometimes get the sense, I'll come back to Ukraine in a moment, I'm just thinking out loud with you. Do you sometimes get the sense that you're no longer alone anymore on the mask thing and that everyone just knows it's theater? Everyone. And by everyone, I mean everyone. They'll put it on when convenient and for show, having nothing to do with any concern about health or science, which is what they should have thought about in the first place. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years. Today, it remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need pushy commission salespeople to tell you why you want gold. You already want it. All you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins so you get what you want at the best value. In comes the Midas Gold Group. They're veteran-owned and proud supporters of this radio station and the America First agenda. They're fighting for your right to the financial privacy that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I, Sebastian Gorka, and thousands of our listeners know and trust. That's Midas Gold Group. Check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. Tell them Seth sent you. Scott Johnson, Steve Hayward's colleague over at the Powerline blog, adds to what Steve wrote. Writing, the Russian sanctions that President Biden announced at his press conference yesterday are a joke. Weren't sanctions intended to deter Putin's invasion of Ukraine? Why, yes, they were, according to Kamala Harris and the National Security Advisor. Isn't it a bit late to deter the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Why, if you turn on the TV, you will notice, yes, deterrence is pretty far back in the rearview mirror. So Biden prevaricated, saying, quote, no one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. That has to take time and we have to show resolve so Putin knows what's coming and so that people of Russia know what he's brought on to them. That's what this is all about, close quote. As Scott writes, oh, that's scary. And this, quote, this is going to take time. It's not going to occur You know, he's not going to say, oh, my God, these sanctions are coming and I'm going to stand down, close quote. Well, now Joe Biden tells us, what a buffoon. I'm sorry, but Putin discounted these sanctions in his planning a long time ago. I'm not sure of much, but I am sure of this. Our enemies are laughing at us and licking their chops once they stop the laughter. Another quotable quote. Quote, Putin's ambitions are, are completely contrary to the place where the rest of the world has arrived, close quote. He is apparently, Joe Biden, undeterred, excuse me, he is apparently, Vladimir Putin, undeterred by the disapproval of the world, the world of fiction, anyway. And note the blatant lie when he says specifically the sanctions we imposed exceed the SWIFT program. 
The sanctions we imposed exceed anything that has ever been done. The sanctions we imposed have generated two-thirds of the world joining us. They are profound. Let us have a conversation in another month or so to see if they're working. Close quote. He'll get back to us on that. Do you realize what he means when he says, let's have a conversation in a month or two to see if they're working? A month or two to see if they're working? A month or two? Look at what's transpired in 48 hours. The Russians are in Kiev. They are in the capital city of Ukraine as we speak. And Joe Biden says, let's wait another month or two to find out if these sanctions are what I say they are, what he says they are. Philip Wegman's Real Clear Politics column on the China syndrome includes this fitting postscript. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki insisted China was not capable of countering the sum of allied sanctions. All the same, she said, Biden was certainly open to conversations with Chinese leaders. Then for, then for the second time this week, the White House spokesman appealed to the better nature of the Chinese communist regime, saying, quote, this is really a moment for China, for any country, to think about what side of history they want to stand on. Close quote. Scott concludes, China means to shape that history, and unlike Biden and his spokespeople, they're serious about it. They're serious about it. Yeah, what side of history they want to stand on? What side of history? Scott's absolutely right. They are in the business of charting and changing history. I want to put in a good word for our friends, the Poles, the Polish people, Poland. Not only are they going to prove to be the new leader of Europe, not only are they going to prove themselves to be the new moral conscience of Europe, they're standing up and they're taking in, of course, Ukraine refugees. I was thinking a little bit about Poland this morning when I thought about its new role that's being thrust upon it in Europe and maybe on the world stage. I was thinking about Lech Walesa, who led the Solidarity Movement in Poland in the early 80s, late 70s and early 80s, as the Soviets were retrenching. Remember that picture of that dark and bleak leader, that dark and bleak Soviet puppet, Jaruzelski? Remember that? Bill Bennett's favorite story about Lech Walesa was doing an interview on 60 Minutes with Mike Wallace. Lech Walesa was chain-smoking. The moment one cigarette was finished, he lit another one. Mike Wallace said, aren't you concerned about your health with all that chain-smoking? And Lech Walesa said, with my political views, you think cigarettes are going to kill me? <laughs> Guess what? Lech Walesa is still alive. I was looking up some old speeches of his about what it is he had to teach the West, or really America, when I say the West, America what he had to teach America in light of the collapse of the Soviet Union. And mm, let's see, this was uh, about 20 years ago. About 20 years ago, he gave a speech in, of all places, Kansas. He gave a speech in Kansas. 
And he said this, the communist system was not a system that would fit any of the nations on which it was imposed, but it was especially unfit for the Polish people. If, if any one of you know people of Polish origin or the Polish people, you must realize that the Poles are extremely free souls. And if you have ever come across two Polish people at the same time, you'd be sure to find three political parties. Stalin actually laughed to himself after he succeeded in imposing communism on the Polish people by saying communism fits the Polish people like a horse saddle fits a pig. That must have some funny European connotation. But he writes in his speech, or he says in his speech, it took us 50 years of struggle in order to improve the errors made at the end of the Second World War. At first, in the 1940s and 50s, we would oppose the communist system with arms by means of our own army. However, the Polish communists, supported by the Soviet ones, defeated, suppressed that opposition to the system. Then we tried to oppose the system by the riot of young people, of students demonstrating in the streets. They were treated really badly and beaten up. Then we tried to oppose the system by means of the working class, the workers, employees, who would strike and protest in the streets. All these attempts were suppressed with bloodshed. How did he do it? I'll tell you when we come right back. You know what Lequelensa concluded was the greatest enemy to his movement fighting the communists? Those in the West who didn't think communism was defeatable. Those were his greatest enemies, he says in his speech. He said, no one had the least doubt that the United States was the military leader of the world, but the doubts regarding its moral and political leadership of the United States was toxic. Toxic, that is, until Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and Pope John Paul II. They understood, beyond any other leadership the world had known at least since World War II, they understood that there was something important and special about the West and its values and something dangerous, self-defeating, and creepingly threatening to that very same West. And that was communism. That was communism. Here's a um, – yeah, let me read this from listener Joe. Seth, frankly, I, as you, have had enough of this madness from the entire left wing and their rotten media and the wicked witch of the East, Hillary herself, who's chirping again about this. She has no shame, calling us Putin's puppets on his side, and this is Trump and the Republicans' fault. Seth, it's madness and it's a poison they put out on the airwaves to cover for this incompetent corpse of a president and his woke administration. That anyone with eyes would believe this nonsense after a year of monumental failure from A to Z with this administration is just nutty. Literally, there's not one thing they've done right, domestically or foreign, in the past 13 months. We aren't in serious times. We aren't in serious times with the left and pundits throwing nonsense like this out into the atmosphere instead of doing their job and putting the blame where it belongs on Biden and his administration. I wish someone on our side would get on one of these outlets and rip into them. But as usual, we aren't 
invited. Nicely put, Joe. Nicely put. In Peggy Noonan's column today in the Wall Street Journal, she uh, she quotes the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who came back from the Munich Security Conference last weekend saying, quote, this is our moment. This is a Sudetenland. There was something bizarrely raw, raw and half-baked about her statement, Peggy says. Hitler's annexation of Sudetenland took place in a pre-nuclear world. The world of 2022 has thousands of nuclear weapons of all sizes, weights, purposes, and delivery mechanisms. Sudetenland occurred in a world of physicalness, big printing presses, hand-calculated bank balances. Our world is run by computers vulnerable to devastating cyber attacks. Sudetenland was a quick and largely unresisted invasion. Ukraine won't be that way at all. By the way, as I head to break, we're going to have Brian Kennedy on to talk about all this, including the nuclear angle. But as I head to break, if this was the Sudetenland to Nancy Pelosi, if this was Hitler invading Czechoslovakia all over again, where has she been since she said that on Sunday? What has she done? Zero. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.